Welcome, everybody. I'm David Irvin. I'm a leadership development specialist and a best-selling author, and we want to welcome you to the Leaders Navigator podcast. What's uniquely special is that I'm doing this podcast together with my daughter, Haley, and I'm so excited about this opportunity to work jointly on this project that we are so passionate about, both of us. Welcome, Haley. Good to see you. Nice to have another episode together. How is your life these days? Mm -hmm. It's good. I'm just recovering from a bit of a cough. So that's why I I might need to mute myself a few times to cough into my elbow. But otherwise, so far, so good. How are you doing, Dad? I am excellent. We are shoveling ourselves out of some spring snow. Spring is just not liking, you know, coming out of hibernation really quickly here. So we're snowing. I had a I have a student who um just who was spending this year uh, from China at in at our school, um and so this is the first time she's ever lived away from home, and the first time she's ever been really to Canada. So she's been here since September, and uh, she was telling she's like you know everyone was always said that Canada only has two seasons, but now I see what they mean. And I was like oh what are those two seasons? She says mm, winter and pretty much winter. <laughs> I was like yeah you're right sounds about right. Yeah that says it that yeah. says it. <laughs> well, my dear, will you you have a very fascinating topic today. So tell me about uh, some of your thoughts about what you thought we might have a conversation about. Yeah, so it's been brought up a lot with my students, and I've been thinking about it a lot, and and especially over you know I just had you know my spring break a couple weeks ago, so I've been doing lots of reading on it. But it's the notion of masculinity, and I think there's been a lot of focus on feminism for the last seventy to hundred years, which is wonderful and different, the different waves of feminism. And, um, that was a big focus, um, in a lot of my university courses and different, the feminist angles of anthropology, feminist angles of psychology, feminist angles of sociology, of literature. Um, but there has not been that much of a focus, at least in my perspective of masculinity. And so, and, and I, I look at my, my students and a lot of the female students are very, very quick to, talk about toxic masculinity and it's a it's a it's a point of 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 conflict amongst students and it's it's a very interesting topic especially as we start to see like you know um people like Andrew Tate um and these other hyper masculine um machismo um internet celebrities um get into all kinds of fiascos online um and yeah, so I'm just really curious about what you think about like what where this toxic masculinity comes from. Um, why is it, you know, why are some of these ideals, you know, especially in the midst of these feminist conversations and these women rights and and um, you know, especially in terms of like the Me Too movement and and everything like that, why there is such a reluctance to talk about masculinity in a healthy way and why there's such a toxic um elements of this machismo this hyper masculine attitudes that just don't seem to go away and if anything are getting worse well certainly the height of feminism came in the 60s mm-hmm. um and right well rightfully so we've had generations of men who simply go to war go to work and come home and drink and abuse women and under the patriarchy there's been a a need for an emergence of true masculinity and 
and a consciousness of that, certainly in the last 50, 60 years that that's come to a surface. The, your, your notion of toxic masculinity, I, I get it, um, but it's one could argue that they're really, if it's toxic, it's not really masculinity. Mm. So I could argue that there's not, that, it, that toxic math, masculinity is really a myth because if it's toxic masculinity, it's something other than masculinity. But I get the picture of that. And I would love to explore the roots of where that, what we call toxic masculinity. I don't use that term, but I certainly get the indicators of what the label is today. Um, so let's understand the development of the masculine. That's really all I can really relate to is that within myself. And maybe you can talk about the evolution, the development of the, of the feminine. But the development of the masculine, first of all, we're born dependent. And we bond with usually the mother, but we can bond with both parents. And then as a stage of growing from dependence, let's face it, even though we, we would love our children to be obedient and dependent, um, I don't think we want them living with us when they're 50. Mm -hmm. So there's a biological response called adolescence when hormones take over and boys become self-centered, egotistical, we're going to show our colors, we're going to prove ourselves, and it's this foisting into the transition to adulthood. And they're not nice to be around, they're a sense of entitlement, they're a sense of com competitiveness. And that's what we call adolescence. Now, it's a stage in the development toward adulthood, toward true manhood. And there's a task that's necessary. First of all, team sports, uh, in your world, fine arts. Um, when we, physicality, when we use our physical prowess to prove our masculinity, um, to you know, to be noticed. It's this sense of putting a competition to put ourselves above others. It's a natural stage and in the development of men. And it's very important. It can be very helpful for boys to play in sports. For this reason, what's necessary task is to go beyond adolescence into the next stage of being initiated from adolescence into manhood. And what boys need is they need older, loving men who bond with them, who can put them in their place, who can tell them, you know what, you don't strut your, uh, strut, is that, your, is that a right word? Strut. strut. You don't strut your manhood around the family and swear at your mother inappropriate, unacceptable, and they replace it with mentoring and move them toward this adolescent, um, boisterous, audacious, um, egocentric 
state to a state of using that energy to serve a greater cause, to move into the service of their community, to move into um, wanting to be a, a, a contributing member of society. And so they take that masculine energy and make it pure and healthy. Now, if that initiation doesn't happen, what happens is that young men stay stuck as adolescents. And they stay stuck in that. Ad- and you understand what that's like to live with adolescent boys. You, you work around them all the time. So if you can imagine that adolescence not being initiated, the absence of an older, caring male community that's mentoring them into adulthood, what happens is that they get stuck there. And you see adolescents running gangs, running companies. Um, abusing women because they never get out of that adolescent stage because if the 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 entire the the sense of entitlement because the initiation didn't happen and that's what we're seeing today is a void of initiation of boys coming into our culture and so my message today is that you older men who have connected to your masculinity, which we will talk about in a minute, what does that really mean? Who have been mentored and connected with your true masculinity, which is a balance of backbone and love. That's what true masculinity is. Mentor, find a young boy that you can connect with and mentor. Now, there's no question that women have an impact on boys and that can have an impact on that initiation process. But it is my experience that ultimately what, what young boys need is an older male to show the way. And a lot of it is putting them in their place. A lot, you know, and you see this in your school. Your, the male teachers um, say to young boys, inappropriate behavior. But there has to be a whole community backing them. And there has to be enough of a relationship. Otherwise, teachers just don't have enough leverage to take that young boy and initiate him into adulthood. I think absolutely right. And I think something that we've done incredibly well, um, you know, since throughout the different waves of feminism. Oh, yeah. Speak more into the mic. Okay. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Something I think that we've noticed is that I think something that we've done to celebrate in terms of our society is we've done a lot of work in educating young girls how to stand up for themselves, how to be assertive, that being assertive doesn't mean being bossy and it's okay to be bossy, to have like leadership skills, to speak their mind, to take up room, to take up space, to challenge people. We've done to, to, to engage in fields like engineering and science and technology and math. We've done the work on that front. We've done that work. Um, but we haven't, I think, done the same amount of work with young boys. And so I think what ends up happening, what I've at least seen in my experience, is that like we've had these communities of women stand up against these boys, right? And we say, no, that's that's inappropriate behavior. No, you can't say that. No, that's not okay, right? You need to watch what you say, you know, that that's sexist. They've they've taken up the space, they've taken up the they're they're not afraid to 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 call men out on that. But what I think, what at least I've, I've noticed happening, and this this comes from myself as well, as a female teacher calling out the boys of their attitudes, 
is that because um, the responses is, is it ends up it, it with a lot of shame, with a lot of embarrassment. It's they're, they're not given a platform to talk about their emotions the way girls are given a platform to explore sports, to explore technology, to explore engineering, right? We've done so much work socially in getting girls into those fears, but we haven't conversely done the work on getting boys to talk about their emotion, on being vulnerable, on uh, being genuine, on being authentic on uh talking about like the healthy elements of masculinity right about about what it means to take care of people right what it means to to protect right what it means to to listen and to be kind right we haven't done the same amount of work for young boys so when they're looking for guidance when they're looking for these older men when they're looking for the ted lassos if you will because i want to i do want to talk about ted lasso too because i think that's a really cool phenomenon on television right now um that, you know, they're looking for these leaders and what they see, especially on these online spheres, what they see is these, these Andrew Tates, these, these hyper masculine people, giving them a space, giving them somewhere that they can feel heard because all of these women are telling them that they're wrong. They're bad. They're not worthwhile just because of, you know, their, their genitalia essentially, right. That they're they're They have all these expectations that they have to meet. And then, you know, that, you know, that their older mentor ends up being somebody quite harmful, right? Someone quite sexist, someone quite, um, super masculine, right? Um, and, and, you know, that that's, that's, you know, that that's where they stay in their adolescence. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think women have done, in my opinion, a better job of mm-hmm. mentoring young women mm-hmm. in the initiation process to say, you look at, you can find your voice, you can find your strength, you can, mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can fit anywhere in the world and, and really help empower them mm-hmm. just as young boys are looking for role models to mm-hmm. help them. But they, they need role models with men of character. And we just mm-hmm. I don't think us men have really done our job to really mm-hmm. mentor. We've been out working, mm-hmm. but have we really done our job of initiating these young boys? I'm not sure. And I think, too, men have also. I think done some work as well, looking out for women in, in, a, in the best of ways, right? Like looking at the Me Too movement and responding in a way of allyship, right? Uh, and looking at LGBTQ people and and done so in a way of allyship, right? But I think that through all of this focus on on giving appropriate attention to these marginalized groups who have not had attention for for centuries, right? We've ignored uh, a really important group that from their perspective, luck of the draw, they've been born primarily as cisgender, heterosexual white men, right? Through luck of the draw, right? And they're not given, like, because they've been given so much power, so much uh, responsibility throughout history, right? For for hundreds and hundreds of years in, in the Western world, they th- now that these young boys are now saying, okay, well, now you have to watch out for this. 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 You have to watch out for this, right? And they're not given a platform to talk and, and engage in these discussions and ask questions um, and to, you know, be vulnerable, right? So what I really love, and I know you've been watching Ted Lasso too. Um, I feel like Ted Lasso has come along at just the most perfect time because here you have this, for those of you who haven't watched the show, you have this, American football coach who's been hired to coach soccer in England. And he's the most, I think, positive, healthy, masculine role model that I've ever seen on television because he's kind, he's gentle, he's a leader. He's not afraid to express his 
his mental health issues. He's willing to talk about it. He wants to be kind. He doesn't lash out. Uh, he wants to see the best in people. Uh, and he admits when he's wrong, he admits when he's flawed and he wants to work through it and do what he can to, to better himself in the best of his abilities. And he, he, he strives for the betterment of the community. Right. And I think that he's sort of the hero we, we need most right now in terms of what it means to be masculine. Would you agree? I would absolutely agree. And, and we don't have a lot of real good role models in our world uh, for what it means to be masculine. So maybe I can just backtrack a little bit and just share my own experience with yeah, this. Absolutely. So my father, uh, his dad died when he was a boy and he was initiated into adulthood through the gymnastics community. He lived, he, he worked out in the YMCA and he had a whole community of young men in the YMCA because women weren't allowed in the YMCA in those days. And he had a whole community of, of young men that initiated him, that gave him those positive role models that helped him see strength uh, without abuse. You know, as, as we say, love without power is codependence, but power mm -hmm. without love is dominance. And what we need is love and power and love and, if you will, backbone. So, yeah, I mean, Ted Lasso has this subtle strength that's there that he doesn't compromise his strength, but he has this feeling vulnerable component. Anyway, that's what how my dad was initiated into adulthood is through his sports and gymnastics. Uh, however, what happened was that he married my mother and my your grandmother was very, very strong. And my my dad got this miss. Um, misinformed understanding of masculinity that his job what he you know he grew up in the height of my mother was a really a true feminist uh, she grew up uh, having her own business she she took charge of herself and my dad uh, and one could argue maybe he wasn't fully initiated into adulthood but he forgot his voice and he thought that masculinity was about pleasing women and so what he did was he went into a place of trying to please my mother. And he really lacked the backbone to stand up for himself. And he al allowed mother to my, my mother, your grandmother, to take over his life. And he lost his voice. And I don't blame my mother for that. And I don't blame my father. He was doing the best he could, but he, he lost his voice and he lost his way. And he really suffered from depression because of it. Uh, he didn't really know how to find his strength. The last few years of his life, he went to art school. And I think he found his voice there. And he really started to feel a sense of, of his own voice. I, wasn't role, I was role modeled by a very sensitive, caring, intuitive father. But I wasn't necessarily really role modeled by a father who had by a man who had real good backbone and real good strength. So I've relied sometimes too much on the business community. It's one of the things I've I've been involved in the business community for the last 30 years. And I've, you know, many of my my clients who have hired me to come in and build relationships and this soft component, uh, I'm gonna say uh human component in in companies 
I've gained a lot from, from the men that I've met in my work who have modeled for me this sense of going for your goals and having clarity and having good strategy and haven't always been attentive to their emotions. And I bring the emotional side into their company to bring that balance. So it's a continual balance as, as, a, as a healthy masculine to have a, both that balance of a backbone with the sense of also vulnerability and the connection to your emotions and integrating those two forces into your life. That's really, truly what, what a strong masculine uh, presence is. It's not about pleasing women. And th this is what's happened in the last 50 years is that men, particularly with the strength of the, of the women's movement and the strength of feminism, men have begun to think, there's a whole faction of men that have begun to think, gosh, we got to make sure we make, we make women happy because we've certainly abused them for so long and neglected them for so long and not attentive to the emotional side of ourselves. But we have, let's not make, let's make sure that we don't lose the backbone. Well, even too, like, I think, and that not just making women happy, but I think they've gone the complete opposite, right? It's that, oh, we, you know, we're not supposed to make women happy. Women deserve this. You know, it's that the complete opposite end of the pendulum right where it's about like not just people pleasing but the very like we deserve self-righteous right and entitled right i would argue it's the complete opposite end of that right and i think that's why we needed the me too movement right was it was men who were taking advantage of women and who deserved who felt like they deserved all this extra power simply because they were a man right um and you see like sexual assault and all of that kind of stuff too right as a response to the feminist movement right well, and these are, un again, getting back to un uninitiated men mm -hmm. who just uh, run the world with an adolescent mentality. And our mm -hmm. social media and our devices have not made that easy because, you know, we order meals uh, with a device and just a sweep of a finger, we can we can have what we want. And we, we breed this sense of entitlement if we have not had a strong, a, a strong male presence in our life of that has who, someone who has character and a commitment to, to the betterment of society to mentor us. Well, and I think too, it's, it's social media. It's, it's going back to, you know, our anthropological roots, right? When you think about, you know, people who are at an uncertain point in their life. So adolescents, for instance, right. And they're looking for some answers. They're looking for some sort of structure. So they go online, they see a leader sometimes with charisma, like Andrew Tate, for instance, or, or, um, you know, uh, Donald Trump in some ways, right. They see this charismatic leader. They listen to them just the way that they would have in a religious movement, you know, hundred years ago, 200 years ago, they listen to them, they follow them. Right. And their, their, their lack of confidence, um, in themselves, um, makes them easy pickings for these leaders to exploit them. And then on social media, it's so easy to just get radicalized deeper and deeper, deeper down the rabbit hole as the algorithms feed them more and more of that content. And it's just so easy to spin out of control. So then what do we do? What's the answer? So now we know where it comes from. What do we do about it? Well, what we do about it is to take a good, honest look at ourselves and just ask ourselves, and this is really the foundation of my work, is to connect people to their true essence. And the, the true essence, our, our, our nature is such that uh, our, the human nature is not abusive. The human nature 
is 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 full of beauty and full of love. So if it's if if we're if we're abusing our power, we have found a way to do that as a way of coping. And so what we need to do is just get really honest with ourselves. Are we over-reliant on someone in, this, in social media to tell us and to define who we are? Or are we, are, you know, let, let me just say it this way. You know, I'm 67 years old. How many voices are there in this world that tell me what a successful, cool 67-year-old is supposed to look like in our world? I can just turn on any kind of any kind of social media and I'm bombarded with messages of how I should be and what I should feel and what a, a good 67-year-old is supposed to look like and supposed to buy. And our whole culture and our consumer culture is based on that. Now, how many voices are there in my world that tell that guide me to my own voice? And so I think what's important is to stop and recognize. Where am I in terms of my connection with my authentic self? Where am I on this spectrum between have, have I got more fierce energy or more vulnerability energy, more, more connection to my emotions or more connection to the, to the power part of myself? And do I, need, do I need a role model right now with someone who will guide me to my own voice where I can find more strength? Or do I need to open up my heart and connect more with my emotional self? And just to take an honest inventory with ourselves and to say, where are we on that spectrum? Now, that's my approach to, to what we might do with this. What, what would your take be on that? I think that's a big one. And I think just, I think, I think giving more opportunities to talk about emotions and to give name to emotions, right? So that it's not just about anger, but understanding, okay, well, what, why do you feel angry? Where is the anger come or where's the anger coming from? Right. And because that'll be, that's a great segue into mental health. It's a great segue into um, addiction, like talking about addictions. It's a great segue into talking about, um, you know, like you look at the leading cause of death for young men, you know, um, and I, I'm going to get the statistic wrong, um, between like 25 and 40 is suicide, um, in a lot of contexts. Right. So for, for like, that's, that's pretty telling. Right. And so, you know, giving these platforms and, and trying to work together to get rid of the taboo of, of talking about your feelings and, you know, you know, getting rid of those phrases about like men don't cry or man up, or, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like those really, really harmful set phrasing. Right. And, you know, if, if, if somebody looks like they're like wanting to talk about their mental health, like really being open to it and, and getting rid of, and, you know, working on that all together. And, and it's appreciating our humanity. This is what I love mm -hmm. about that, that statement that you've just made there. It's appreciating and valuing our, our humanness instead of putting us into roles that men aren't supposed to do certain things and women aren't supposed to do certain things. You know, it's appreciating the full spectrum of our humanity. And this is Definitely. really the work that I'm doing. And this is, uh, this, is, uh, this is what my life is about, is bringing the sense of humanity to the world. Definitely. I Through like caring. That. Yeah, I like that, caring. Well, there's certainly no easy answers on this. I hope that we have raised some more questions for people. I hope we've, <laughs> we've raised some conversations about this. 
would love to hear as we wrap this up for today, uh, what you're grateful for today. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, I am grateful for a husband who challenges me to think about things differently. So, um, just, I was just thinking about this with, uh, you know, he, I mean, it's so interesting because he, and I have had lots of conversations about what sexism actually is and intentional versus unintentional sexism and in the workplace and things like that. And, um, he obviously grew up with, you know, two older sisters and an incredibly strong mother. So three very, very strong, headstrong, independent women. Um, and then, you know, so talking to him about that and, but also too, in terms of, I mean, this is not really related at all, but you know, a, 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 well, actually it is related a field that I, you know, for a long time shut myself off from, cause I thought it was a, a boy's boys field was video games. And so I was not open to learning about video games, appreciating video games as, uh, important storytelling devices. Um, and so he's been really teaching me about like the value of it. And it's all it is, is a, it's choose your own adventure stories. It's escape rooms, it's puzzles, it's, it's characters, it's stories. It's all of the same stuff that I love about books and literature. Um, but it's, it's just a more immersive interactive form of media. So yeah. So there's, there's me checking my own bias. (laughs) Well, I, and again, you're going to see my bias here. I have a bias that these are, this can be a great tool as mm-hmm. long as there isn't an absence of older men who are guiding them into character, yep. who are saying, how do we use these games to connect with yourself so that you can be of service in the world so that really, you can somehow or other help other people. What's really neat is like, because now with this, and this is a whole, probably a whole podcast of its own, but as video gamers are now having children of their own, um, this is what I'm learning is that now the types of video games that are being made are meant to be more cooperative. They're meant to be playing together, um, play together. And they're meant to be, you know, they're, they're a lot more family focused and fun in terms of that regard. Right. It's not just the pew, 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 shooting, 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 let's play war, but there's a lot more story and co-op options about it that I completely was shut off from and had no interest in learning. And, now I'm getting a whole new appreciation. So that's what I'm grateful for. Well, that's that's amazing. And and I think that gamers can have a great opportunity and and for men who can influence gamers to learn about their that world, to learn about that side of the world and 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 say, hey, how do we apply this to making the world better? Definitely. Yep, definitely. What are you grateful for, Dad? Well, I'm continually grateful for a, a daughter that will will have these conversations with me. I'm immensely grateful that you have an interest in this and that we will grow together here. And I feel very supported in my work. Um, and I'm just delighted that you are uh, you're interested in this. I love having these chats, Dad. <laughs> All right. Well. I hope that uh, we have uh, provided some good conversation for you, for our listeners. And until next episode, everybody stay real.